This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, October 1st, 2020 edition. And yes, that October 1st means that we have started the fourth quarter. We are three quarters of the way through the year. And we know that earnings season will be soon around the corner, as well as the election. Uh, And more importantly, economic figures for the quarter, uh, bank earnings, because I think that's going to be extremely important in an environment where there's a lot of moving parts, both stimulus, that is plugging a lot of holes, as well as banks that are finding defaults across their loan book. It's not just housing focused, like in 2008. It's it's, it's broad-based, but you also have broad-based huge stimulus that was passed in March and proceeded to, like I said, plug a lot of balance sheet holes. Right, The Fed can give liquidity to the market. They can inject liquidity, but liquidity doesn't solve solvency. But governments can do that, right? You hand somebody enough money who's in financial straits, whether that's a person whether that's a corporation, their solvency issue can go away. And so how much of the stimulus was went to plugging that balance sheet deficit? How much was it used for spending in the economy, which will produce earnings, right? Plugging a balance sheet does not produce earnings. And then on top of that, we're going to have the loan officer survey here. Uh, I think it's tomorrow. It's coming up soon. And that's very important to see what our loan officers doing. Because a lot of people focus on the Fed, rightfully so. They have a lot of power, but they do not. They are not the sole arbiter of new money in the economy. They aren't. Banks are. When banks borrow money, or sorry, lend money, They're creating dollars, putting it into the system. So what trends are going on there? There's a lot of ways dollars can get in the system, spent, and earned. Spending in the economy means earnings, typically. And so heading into the fourth quarter, there's a lot of answers, a lot of questions that need to be answered. So there's... Expect a lot of volatility in this quarter. Uh, This is a quarter we're still year-over-year negative. We've recovered month-over-month, quarter-over-quarter from the second quarter. But year-over-year, we're still negative. Are we going to continue to climb out of the hole? Or are we going to level off? And how much will the election have to do with that? How much will a stimulus plan, which now it looks like it's going to a vote on the on the floor, and that is actually not a good thing. You probably want that put off as long as possible to the end on tomorrow, really. Uh, And then that would mean progress on the stimulus bill. So far, 
not a ton. So I think the Democrats will wait until they feel like they have their man in the White House. Now let's take a look at the market today. 8899 chart, 8899 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. I'm here to answer any of your money-related questions. Let's take a look at the market. S&P was up 17.8 points, uh, about, about a half a percent. The NASDAQ, that was up uh, even better, about 1.5% or so. So it was a pretty solid day on the market still. Some overhead resistance from that uh, breakdown level that we saw in early September. And the big question is, will we get over it if there is no stimulus by the end of the week? Now let's get to our first caller right now and go to Cindy in San Francisco. She's looking at Big Lots. Hi. Yeah, I'm wondering, what do you think about uh, BIG because... Well, I have I own a stock, and I'm thinking about buying okay. more. This is a um, pullback that's perfect opportunity to buy, or you think that runs over? Uh, I think the run is looks definitely tired from a technical perspective. You had a high with the market uh, at the end of August. You had the pullback, and the market's been rallying, and this has failed the last three days. Had a big reversal on Tuesday. A follow-through yesterday, and today was just kind of a chop sideways day uh, right above some support. So to me, this looks like it's ready to break down from a, from a near-term basis. So the question is, for me, are you looking to own this and hold it longer term? Or are you looking to just find a, a buy point in the near term so that uh, you're getting in it at, a, at, a, at a, the best price for the long term? Or are you just uh, in it for a trade? I like to hold it long term. Okay, uh, but you probably want to buy okay, more at, uh, at reasonable prices, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you if you're looking at a chart, uh, I I think there's definitely some downside, and it's uh, it, it has some downside to at minimum forty dollars right now, and I would say. 35 is the area that I would love to own this stock. Right now it's at 45. So that 40, like I said, is the next support level. There'll be decent support there, but there will be very good support around that 35 level. And big lots longer term, it's definitely cheap. Enterprise value to EBITDA is less than one. This is a super cheap name. This is a, uh, you know, the they don't really have much debt. So I like that. Can't really go bankrupt. Uh, revenues up 31% last quarter. Earnings up uh, 419%. Yields 2.7%. So I like what you're looking at, uh, uh, but I would wait for that. At least $40 level and 35 I would definitely add more. Thanks for the call, Cindy. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And now that summer is in the rearview mirror and we're headed into the fourth quarter, you have to look through the windshield and invest through the windshield. Not what happened in the past, not what happened in the third quarter or the second quarter with COVID. It's what will the economy and earnings look like for the next quarter. And I know that's uncertain, but that does not mean that you give up just because there's uncertainty. You have to play your odds in different sectors, different companies, different asset classes. And our job is to help you manage your emotions, your fear and greed when it comes to that. And that 
job requires information and effective strategies. And that's what I'm here to help you with. So let's talk about what, what any, whatever is on your mind. Just give me a call. Your participation is an important part of the mix. We're taking your calls live at 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday, and there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow. So you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Mike from Louisville. Uh, I have questions about a fixed income alternative. One is the uh, preferred stock ETFs. I'm looking at PGX on that one. And the utilities as a fixed income bond substitute alternative. It's a value play, I guess. Please discuss the uh, pros and cons of those uh, avenues of investment. I thank you very much. Have a good day. All right. It's looking at PGX, which is the Invesco preferred ETF uh, in relation to utility sector. Now, right here you are investing in two different areas, uh, two different asset classes, really, right? Two different places in the capital structure. Preferreds are between common equity holders, which is what he would be investing in in the utility sector, and bonds, right? Where you're not a senior as senior bondholders, but in case of bankruptcy, you are ahead of equity holders, common equity holders. So you're in the preferred equity. Now the yield here is, let me take a look at the yield, uh, about 5%. You're going to get that on PGX, whereas like an XLU, for example, which is probably the most popular utilities ETF, that one's yielding about 3.4%. Now, the preferreds have rallied pretty dramatically, and preferreds have a very high duration risk. Why is that? Why do preferreds have a very high duration risk? Well... The answer is because there is, for, the, for most preferreds, there's no maturity date. They're, you're just getting paid in perpetuity. So if you're getting paid 4% or 5% per year, and suddenly treasury rates go to 7% or just higher in general, the relative value of that preferred goes down. And so with rates so low, it's hard for me to get excited about preferreds. On top of that, while it sounds like, oh, preferred equity, I'm owning equities. Uh-uh. You are not owning common equities, not type of assets that can go up dramatically. Can't triple your money in two years on a preferred equity. Unless you're buying something super distressed and you get lucky. But that's not what he's doing here. He just wants to buy an ETF. So while you're getting less yield, sorry, when you yeah, when you're getting less yield with the utility sector, you have more upside. Right? These companies pretty much print cash. They are legislated to earn profit. 
So now, now the, the, the risk in the near term can certainly be higher with utilities. But in general, you're going to get much better upside. Turn equity tends to be higher than that 5% that you're getting on the preferreds. And that's why I like the utility sector better. Even though there's less yield, I don't like where you are in the capital structure for preferreds. Now, my focus point today concerns this story. Economic recession or not, the IPO market is set for a flurry rivaling the dot-com era. Ten largest IPOs have already raised a combined $14.7 billion, 52% higher. Oh, sorry, that's 52% of the total proceeds for the entire quarter. Ten largest. Should you jump in? Well, you may just be very careful with your money in that market right now, and I'll explain. Also, we had a debate the other night. was not uh, the most flattering one for uh, America, but nonetheless, that means that we are deep into the election season. We have a little over a month left, and as you know, I try to be, or I am, pretty non-political, and the big question for me, as always, what will happen? Not what I think should happen, what I hope happens. And this is an issue that a lot of people have, is that they let their political ideologies bleed into their investment thesis and their investment strategy. And that is a recipe for disaster. And so I'm going to dig into... So, so post the debate, I was looking at the betting markets, and it looked like the lead that Biden had in the betting markets about doubled, went from about 10% to 20%. So I want to dig a little bit more into Biden's policies and what that might mean for the economy. Also, some age-based approach to financial planning. What does that mean, and what might that mean for you? So those are things that are on my mind. But ultimately, your participation is what we need. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Let's go to John in Santa Clara. He's looking at Lindy. You own it or are you looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it. Um, so I just kind of want your uh, uh, point of view on a good entry point and uh, if you think it's going to continue. Uh, Seeing a little bit of a pullback. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. This is Lindy. This is actually a UK company. Uh, they are one of the largest in, or the largest industrial gas supplier in the world, and they operate in over a hundred countries. So they have, they make uh, they produce atmospheric gases, oxygen, nitrogen, argon. Uh, process gases, hydrogen, carbon dioxide, helium, as well as the equipment to utilize these gases. 
So they're in the industrial space, which I like. They are broadly diversified across the entire world, uh, not only geographically, but in industries as well. So chemicals, manufacturing, healthcare, steelmaking, etc. And they're very large. In 2000 and let's see, the last 2012 months, they're talking uh, $26 billion in revenue. And they've been uh, consistent in their cash flow, which I like. It yields about 1.7%, which is not exciting, but they've been growing it over time, which I like. So I like what you're, you're looking at, to be honest with you. I like the space. I like a lot about it. Now, its recent profitability has certainly weakened, but overall, long-term, I expect their business to be relatively strong. And if the dollar continues to decline, the currencies or the, the, the revenue from all the countries that they operate in will be worth more in dollar terms. And so I, I kind of like it. Now, we, it has weakened over the near term. And I think at around, let's see, what is this price here? 205, right now it's at 232. I think that'd be a great support area. 205, 210, somewhere in there to be picking up this company. I like what you're looking at. Foreign, diversified, industrial. Uh, they, they have a great business. Uh, I'm a fan of it. Thanks for the call, John. Now let's get to another caller question who, came, who, who took the time to leave their question on our anytime listener line at 888 chart Hey, Steve or Justin, calling in looking to get exposure to oil or gasoline space. I'm looking at three companies. I'm looking at Chevron, I'm looking at Marathon Petroleum, and I'm looking at ExxonMobil. When you're looking at those three, what are some of the biggest things in the oil space that you look for that you'll say are important when you're wanting to invest in one of these really for a long-term hold? Look forward to your answer on the podcast, and uh, I'll be listening. Thank you. All right, great question. There, there are certainly a, a handful of large factors. One is balance sheet. One is balance sheet to see, okay, do they have too much debt on their balance sheet to sustain? Now, you're looking at three companies that have pretty they, – they have a decent amount of debt, but they have also strong cash flows. So how strong are their cash flows? How, how much access do they have to the capital markets, which in this case, a lot, because once again, they're big companies. I'm also looking at diversity of their businesses. Not just do they drill for oil, do they process it, do they sell it, they refine it, etc. Now, Marathon is mainly a refiner. And so that's what their business is all about refining, refining capacity, they're not as diversified as, say, a Chevron and an Exxon. Now, the difference between Chevron and Exxon are, there are some differences. Chevron has a little bit better balance sheet. Exxon has more exposure to natural gas. They have more diversity in their operations, even though Chevron is very diverse. So they're similar in a lot of ways. Um, so that's why I would go with Chevron or Exxon. It just depends on where you want exposure. There are pros and cons of both. And you need to dig into, and maybe you just own both. 
And if you buy like an XLE, you're going to own the majority of the, the those ETFs are Exxon and Chevron. So balance sheet number one, diversity of their income streams number two, and number three is strength of their assets and diversity of their assets. Thanks for the call. 88899 chart, 88992 Now from time to time, I like to reserve time to mention that here in Invest Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. What does that mean? Well, first, we are dedicated to unbiased guidance, and that's what we espouse here on the show each and every day, as well as when we're on the phone with clients. We also practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients as well. So if you need help with your investment strategies, and you want to have us implement one of ours for you, we can help you. Or if you want to have a conversation, we have conversations all the time, just about real estate, about uh, inheritance, about retirement, etc. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings. Just send a message through investtalk.com or call our office in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Now I'm taking your finance and investment questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. 
You know you want to do this. So, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. You are listening to Invest Talk. What a difference a year makes. A pandemic, financial shutdown, and market volatility. You've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Jay, and I had a question. I bought Gilead Sciences, G I L D, Gilead Sciences, uh, $72 stock. Uh, when I bought it, it's hovering around 63 So, my question to you is, uh, at this part, would you bail out, uh, buy some more, or just stay put? Miss Tolerance, uh, I'm looking to... At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To put this money to work for three months and uh, try to have some expenses uh, by a new home in sometime in January, February. So a little bit concern out there. So let me know what are your views. If you put in the show, that's fine. I'm listening to your show. Thank you so much for your great service. Bye. Now, the first question I have is, if you're looking to use this money to buy a home in the near term, in the next few months, why do you have it in the stock market? You shouldn't. Nobody should. Any money that you need for 
uh, a big expense, an important expense, like buying a home, within the next year, at least the next year, even I would say the next two years, you should not be investing in the stock market for reasons like this. Like you're, you're down a decent amount. I think you bought it in the 70s and now it's a 63. And you're worried about it. Right? When you're investing in the stock market, you can be down 10%, 20% in positions. It's not uncommon. And if you're sourcing that money, you, 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 you're going to need that money. You might be bailing out at the wrong time. So don't be investing any of this money that you have for buying a home in the next few months in the stock market. Now look at Gilead. Let's look at Gilead. Now from a cash flow perspective, it looks relatively cheap. Trailing 12 months, free cash flow is at $8.5 billion. It's a $80 billion market cap. That's pretty cheap. Their balance sheet is solid. Not a ton of debt. I like that. But its profitability is eroding dramatically. Earnings in 2015 was, were $12.61. This year, they're only supposed to be $6.94. Lower every single year. Revenues last quarter down 10%. Earnings down 35%. And they have various drugs, but the one of the biggest drivers of their business is Hep, a, hep C drug, which basically cures it. And so... It's not like they are selling a drug that somebody's taking month after month, year after year. It's a short period. And they have some drugs, HIV, et cetera, that they treat uh, that are like that. But overall, their business is declining. And this lesson that everyone can take from this is when you're looking at a company, it's not about what earnings were this year or last quarter or the last five years. Certainly the trend is important. But what's more important is what the trend will be going forward. And the market is telling you that the trend is negative. They're not very optimistic about the future. Low to negative growth for the business. So while I do think it's at some near-term support, I would be looking to get out of this name because you're going to need it. And the trend is down. It's below all its major moving averages. That is an issue. So I would be looking to get out of Gilead. I don't think it's cheap enough for the future trajectory of their business. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 8899-24278. Now, our focus point today is on the IPO market, and I got to touch on this a little bit uh, on Monday, but now the quarter is closed. Monday, the quarter wasn't closed. And this week, we saw 11 deals and two direct listings. A lot of them are software-related, right? Plantier, which was yesterday, as well as Asana. And the recent software IPOs have really been outperforming. And even the direct listings have done fairly well. Even though historically, direct listings have not. Now, the IPO market is ending the busiest third quarter for deals since 2000. There were 81 IPOs 
that raised $28.5 billion. Now, the Renaissance IPO ETF for the quarter up 27%. So there's a lot of enthusiasm for these names. Now, the 10 largest IPOs raised, raised a combined $14.7 billion. Seven of them were billion-dollar deals. And that was the most ever in a quarter. SPACs, Special Acquisition, Special Purpose Acquisition Corporations, excuse me, raised $28 billion on 75 separate deals. That tripled the previous record quarter for SPACs. And SPACs have gone mainstream. They used to be frowned upon, but no longer. Just a sign of the times. I think everyone will look back in these and find them ridiculous. They historically have underperformed post-acquisition, but recently, that's not the case. They've done very well. Until Nikola, obviously, had their issues. Now, going into the fourth quarter, there's supposed to be 99 up 68% from the year ago. So 99 deals in the fourth quarter. And it shows you that while this third quarter, this last third quarter was a record with 75 deals, I'm sorry, with 81 deals, next quarter will be even bigger. Most likely. So, you know, it's, you know, once again, will this break the market? All this supply coming on market. I know there's a lot of interest, and it's exciting. A lot of people are chasing returns, and that certainly can keep going. You know, keep having liquidity flooded into the system, certainly can keep going. But it's very reminiscent of the first quarter of 2000. I'm Justin Klein, you're listening to Invest Talk, and you are in fantastic company. Our podcast, Download Statistics, show for the month of September, we had an all-time high. Nearly 900,000 in the month of September. Just shy. So, Stephen, I thank you for downloading Invest Talk and also for telling your friends and family members about our Investing in Finance podcast. And if you want to find out more, you can always head over to investtalk.com. You have great resources to help you build a solid financial future. Now, if you're unsure where to start, I suggest you take our Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire, help you define your investment comfort zone. And of course, you are welcome to call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We want to help you. We would love to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open, and you can call us live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California, to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Justin is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
Hi, Stephen Justin. My name is Sean. I'm from Seattle, 24 years old. I had two questions regarding my Roth IRA. I currently only contribute to a Roth IRA since I'm not eligible yet for my company's 401k plan. So I guess my first question is, once I become eligible for that 401k program, which one of these accounts should I favor adding funds to at my age? Um, I only make like 18 bucks an hour, so I don't have a ton of disposable income. Um, I save what I can. I'm assuming it's the Roth IRA since I'm in a lower tax bracket, but I was definitely hoping to hear your feedback on that just in case. And my second question is, in the future, if I go above the Roth IRA income limit, are contributions frozen to the funds in the Roth IRA? Uh, would I cash those investments out or uh, roll the funds over into another like tax advantage investment vehicle? I guess I'm not sure what I can do with those funds except withdrawing at, I think it's 64 and a half with uh, no penalties. So yeah, I'm definitely hoping to hear your, your feedback on that. Thank you guys so much for the podcast. I listen every day and uh, I really look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thanks. Take care. Bye. All right. A lot of great questions and a lot of clarification that needs to happen. Now, if you're only making $18 an hour, you're probably in a very low tax bracket. So I think the Roth IRA is the place you want to be uh, for right now, unless your 401k matches. If your new 401k can match and it also has a Roth option, that would pick that as well. A lot of 401k plans have Roth options. So I would, I would look into that. But if they don't match, definitely continue with the Roth IRA. Now, if you hit the income limits eventually, which I hope you do, right? Move up in the world, have a little more uh, income. I would definitely, uh, you're definitely going to be cut off from that. Now, you could always do Roth conversions, meaning you contribute to an IRA and you do a Roth conversion, and that's something you should talk with your accountant about. But um, you don't need to take the money out of the Roth. In fact, you shouldn't. In fact, you don't even need to. You talked about some uh, penalty. Uh, you, and actually, in a Roth IRA, you can take the contributions out whenever you want, penalty-free. Not the gains, but the contributions, okay? Just an FYI there. So the big question is, which account should you go into? Definitely the Roth IRA for now, unless you get that company match. And the good thing about the Roth is you're going to have unlimited investment options, right? As a, at a brokerage firm. Whereas your 401k is going to be very limited. And that's what I don't like about that. So hopefully that clarified everything for you. Great call. Great questions. Let's go to Farhan in Sacramento looking at Chevron. Hi, Justin. Thank you for the show and taking my call. Uh, right. My question was actually a little wider about the energy sector. If mm -hmm. this is a good time to get into it, given its valuations have come down from uh, July. And uh, specifically in that, I was looking at Chevron. Yes, I actually do. I, I think this is a good time to get into the energy sector. Uh, now, could it continue lower? Sure. But from a valuation standpoint, it's very cheap. Uh, there is certainly a, an issue with supply and demand in the near term. But in the, and this applies to all commodities, pretty much. The best cure for low prices is low prices. Why? Because supply comes off. Right? If supply, new supply, is not profitable, then eventually those wells get turned off or that production gets turned off. For example, January of last year, there were 873 wells in the U.S., U.S. oil rigs. 
Today, there are 181. In March of this year, there were 683. Today, there are 181. So the number of oil rigs have declined so much that supply has come off so much that eventually we're going to get back into balance. Now, you're going to have to be patient. Could it go lower? Absolutely. I'm looking for an extreme spike, capitulation in the space, for me to get more aggressive. A few positions, certainly not doing that hot right now. And I would say a few, one or two positions. And I would like to double or triple that once I see some capitulation. I think we're close to it. I think it's going to happen in the fourth quarter, the latest, the first quarter of next year. But I think it's coming. So if you are a value investor, this is certainly the best value long-term in the markets right now. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through and ask your question. On today's show, we have about nine minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. And we had the debate night before last, and it was certainly not the, not the greatest. Uh, but it did widen Biden's chances to win based on the bookies, not the polls. Remember, I, I don't care about the polls. I care about the bookies. Where is the money flowing? If you ever bet on sports, you know that bookies in Vegas are pretty good. So what does that mean for the economy? Well, first is you have to look at his plan, his economic plan, Biden's economic plan. And he wants to certainly spend a lot more money. And raise taxes. But the best thing, or I guess what he would bring the, be- the, the, the biggest difference, shall we say, is somebody who believes in institutions, right? Who listens to professional advice and really cares about those outcomes. And he's going to need a great plan because there's about 5 million people facing long-term unemployment and a lot of small firms struggling. So the first thing he'll do is pass an infrastructure bill. Now, there is one going through Congress, roughly $2 trillion if he becomes president, and you, especially if they sweep the Senate as well. That's going to be closer to 3 maybe even $4 trillion. Help state and local governments who have budget holes. And that's something the current administration doesn't want to do. They don't want to help blue states who have fiscal budget holes because of COVID. He would likely extend grants and loans to small businesses that have not received much aid. He wants to implement a climate-friendly infrastructure boom, not the Green New Deal. The average American bridge is 43 years old, so that's what he's trying to remedy. He wants to increase R&D spending from 1 point, it was 1.5% of GDP in 1960, it's only 0.7% today. So after the break, I'll get to the rest of it because it's important. It's important to know, right? Remember, we're looking through the windshield. Going to the last break, give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. 
The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. It's Becky, and I was calling to ask for your opinion about British Petroleum, BP. I'm really wanting to purchase a large amount of it. It's about $18 a share. The dividend is six-something. And I was wanting to know what you think about this as one of my core holdings. I do have a diversified portfolio, but I was wanting to add more BP. Thank you, and I really enjoy your show. Bye. All right, a lot of interest today in the oil and gas space. And this is British Petroleum, $56 billion market cap, down about 3.5% today as the oil space was was relatively weak. Now, BP would be one of the bigger names. However, their balance sheet is pretty stretched. They have about $76 billion in long-term debt. They also have some uh, settlements money that's going for the Deepwater Horizons uh, disaster in 2010. And they cut their dividend in half recently to conserve cash. And the biggest reason, however, why I would not be backing up the truck on BP, it's not one of the bigger names that I would buy, is because they've actually pivoted their strategy away from oil and natural gas into green energy. And green energy, that's an area that takes a lot of balance sheet, which they don't really have. Uh, There's not a lot of track record right, for them to be deploying capital into that space. And so it's very high risk with the amount of debt they have in their balance sheet. Now, they're certainly still going to have good quality assets that they've gathered throughout the decades, uh, but I would certainly pass on BP. Uh, It would not be one of the big names that I would be investing in. Now, to close, I want to get back to Biden's Biden's economic plan because it's very important. And what he would want to do is spend on education, health care, and housing and raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, which would help 17 million workers, about 5% of the population or so, who make less than that now. And this will actually drive inflation. Why? Because the money right now that the Fed is printing, that's the government spending right now, most of that money is going to corporations, to wealthier people. And when you have a lot of money, you have a lot of assets, and you get more, your marginal propensity to spend is a lot lower, but your marginal propensity to invest is a lot higher. So there's a lot of money going into the equity markets right now. And so he's not, he doesn't want to do Medicare for all. He doesn't want to ban nuclear energy. He doesn't want to guarantee jobs like a lot of the extremists on the left want. And his public spending plan is about 3% of GDP. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, they want to spend 16 to 23% of GDP. So you can see how moderate his economic plan is compared to those extreme on the left. So he doesn't want to spend enough, but he wants to raise taxes. So he doesn't want to spend as much, which you you can say what's what's enough uh, with our fiscal situation. It's hard to know. Now, his tax plan means the corporate profits would drop 12%, and top earners and top 1% would increase their taxes by 14%. So that increase in corporate tax certainly will hurt the markets, but it will definitely help drive more inflation into the economy, which the Fed's been trying to do for a long, long time. I'm Justin Klein. 
And this completes another Invest Talk program. We'll return on Monday. Steve Pizzi will be here tomorrow and with highlights of the newest KP Premium newsletter. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archive Invest Talk podcasts for free over at investtalk.com or via iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. You can also listen live every weekday on investtalk.com. Just click, in the list, click the listen live button. It's free. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.